Waxy Wednesdays with Wax Romantics. All right, let's get into it. We'll start the oh, podcast. Yeah. After now. this. Yeah. After this. Yeah. All right. It's starting now. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right. Now. Penis. Okay, welcome to Waxy Wednesdays with Wax Romantics. Um, another special episode this week. Robert, don't talk yet until we introduce you. Sorry, I'm so sorry. No one will have any <laughs> idea what's going on. Uh, we have a guest on this episode. Um, Julian, would you do the honors of Should introducing our illustrious uh, guest? Yeah, yeah so today's special guest uh, happens to be a multi-talented individual. I wasn't prepared for this. Um, yeah. He's a musician. Uh, he's a photographer. Um, a lover. He's overall a nice dude. He's a solid lover. Uh, he's my best friend of many years and my roommate also. Uh, bandmate. And <clears throat> I don't know. What else? I guess kind of like... Smoker. Smoke buddy. <laughs> everything. Midnight uh, toker. Yeah, it's Robert Sometimes. Johnson, everybody. Welcome, Robert, to the pod. Woo, Thank you. Robert. Glad to be here. Hell yeah. Yeah, man. So Very think, glad to have you on. Yeah. Um, I think off the bat, um, we should just talk about a little bit of photography things first, because technically, you are the Wax Romantics photographer, and you yeah, have been, I guess, yeah, ever since yeah. Uh, our first show, our first little press kit was, was done true. by you. Hell yeah. So yeah, um, and I guess, I mean, photography at that point was still a relatively thing, new thing to you. So what made you decide, like, I want to take pictures of people um, and kind of what made you decide you wanted to take that step into like a semi-professional portfolio? Oh, shit. Okay. Um, well, yeah, it was kind of just like a hobby that uh, my friend and I had at the time just like taking pictures and getting out and doing there. And then Julian's like, yo, I need some uh, pictures done for my new band. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna do it. And I ended up enjoying myself just like a thousand times over what I assumed what would have happened. And it was ended up being just like a really wholesome and rewarding experience working with you boys. And uh, yeah, I just started doing it more and more and people ended up really liking my work and yeah, kind of starting do it more and uh kind of maybe start a business out of it but yeah you guys kind of started it all off for me a little bit in some ways so that's pretty crazy because by the when you were taking pictures for us you seemed like a seasoned pro at that point it's just pretty wild to think that yeah we were like one of your first photo projects yeah like i said you seemed seasoned by then like you knew what you were doing yeah definitely the first one that i had like gotten paid a little bit of money to do for sure but uh yeah i definitely wanted to put the work in for you boys and do a good job but i think i do most of the part for the most part so <laughs> yeah i mean it's kind of for me at least seems like a daunting thing to go from taking like still somewhat still nature shots to like yeah full group like live moving kind of full energy shots with like lots of lighting mm -hmm. and shit like that. And it just seemed, yeah, like you stepped right into it, like <clears throat> your comfort zone. So I guess in another way that kind of just speaks to the natural creativity that you have. How do you, 
how do you feel like and this might this question might be reaching a little bit but how do you feel like your previous kind of creative experience and creative outlets um led you to photography if you will um it's a good question i guess like being a musician as well and um playing with you boys even for like last 10 years in high school and shit like that um I always wanted there to be like just a professional photographer around. Like, wouldn't that be so cool? There was just like someone that would actually take cool pictures of us doing the cool shit. Cause there was never any real documentation of it. Um, but that didn't really manifest itself until like the last few years. But when I first picked up that like professional camera body, I kind of just like really made sense and kind of almost slit into like a little slot that was kind of missing out of my creative outlet. So I've got my, music outlet and the photography outlet and doing videography as well. And just kind of just trying to be as out there as I can right now. Are there similarities between composing a great photo and composing a great song? I would say so. It's all about balance. Um, it's all about having contrasting elements, light versus dark. Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot. I think art in general as any sort of interpretation that you can take of it. But like, I think that just balance mostly is what makes a good photo and also makes a, a good song as well. Uh, that's really well said. I think that was maybe kind of something that you were talking a lot about that I'd never really heard other photographers talk about a whole lot, especially in like the edit editing process is just like, contrast and, and appropriate balance to everything. And I feel like that's what is what brings those photos to the next level in a lot of ways. Um, just as like a tangential final question here. Um, I was kind of curious because we, uh, back in the day, uh, when me and Robert recorded an album with our band foreign words, we tried to document the whole process on like our iPhones oh, and yeah. whatever shitty cameras we had. Um, and obviously none of that footage ever really came to fruition and probably most of it will never see the light of day. So Hopefully if you were to go not. back and do it now <laughs> with the knowledge that you have and kind of the throughput that you're able to have with your work, what'd mm -hmm. you do differently? And also would you even, would we document that shit to begin with? Or is it just kind of, kind of a bullshit thing to do? <laughs> knowing how much work it takes to like truly do it right you have to in my opinion at least i would never want to be the person to do the documentation or like being the band's historian at that point is what it is and also trying to like produce a record or trying to do anything else i think that job is just as important as any others in the room and if you try to do more than one then you're gonna detriment one or the other or vice versa yeah, that's kind of what it ultimately felt like was we were either playing I to like a camera <laughs> to try and make some to make some footage or we're just trying to make an album and it's really hard yeah. to do both at the same time. Exactly. And yeah, uh, always a subtle nod to the <laughs> insane clown posse. Thanks, Keith. That's fantastic. All right, I I'm going to be right back, boys. I need to change my headphones out because these are going to like shit out of me. All right. No Whenever it feels right, you know, you just got to switch to that. <laughs> which is usually like pretty immediately <laughs> yeah it is isn't it okay robert i i was much, gonna much say better. your um 
your professionalism even extends to zoom the the photo quality on your webcam looks fantastic are you using oh, thank the DSR you. camera right now for your webcam or yeah i'm using my my mirrorless <laughs> right now but uh it took me like the last two and a half hours and a bunch of Google searching and stuff to figure it out. I got it all together like five minutes before this. So it ended up. It was, out okay. it was worth it. It looked gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, it looks really Thank good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I do. Julian's last question would have been a good segue into foreign words, which I do really want to talk about. But I did have one more question for you on oh, yeah. the photo front. I'm just curious, since you got into it kind of later. Um, have you gone back now and like studied any other photographers or like photography movements? Like, have you gone deep on anything like that? Like, would you say you have a favorite photographer now or favorite style, or are you still just kind of doing your own thing with it? I guess it kind of replicates my musical style in some way where I really don't have any idols in that way or anyone that I try to emulate. And maybe it's a little, uh, arrogant of me but i'm not trying to be anyway but also i feel like if i try to maybe get too influenced by somebody it'll interact with my thing and prevent me from creating something truly original for me but that's just my opinion on it totally no i thought i was just curious um yeah because uh i don't know if photographer it's probably just my perception of it but i feel like sometimes photographers aren't treated like historic i mean i guess photography hasn't been around as long as other things and maybe that's why it's but true. i'm just yeah. not familiar with like movements of photography obviously i mean like edward abbey's and stuff like that like doing landscapes yeah, definitely but, uh, yeah i was just just curious there probably is and i'm probably just being super culturally stupid right now and uh <laughs> but uh yeah i probably need to really research more into it especially if it's something that i want to pursue professionally but but right for right now i just uh, i like making pretty pictures from this part yeah so. i mean it's working for you now man hell yeah thank you yeah. yeah especially like i don't know kind of to i think this is kind of something we've touched on in the past but like last few years especially with like technology coming to the forefront of everything there's just like an oversaturation of both music and photography like Everyone with an iPhone now is a photographer. Everyone with a MIDI keyboard is a fucking beat master. Like, becomes hard at a certain point to distinguish who's actually seriously doing it from who's just kind of got it down as a hobby. Um, mm -hmm. Which I guess for me personally, I guess also just being ignorant with photography, like, that's what makes it really hard for me to know, like, who's legitimately a good photographer and who's kind of oh yeah taking it mm -hmm. but uh i mean yeah like for certain people the work just speaks for itself and uh i feel like you're definitely one of those homies where like the first time you sent us photos i was like oh these are phenomenal and uh i think the other boys can speak to that too yeah absolutely i was stoked and like the uh the video we did the chasing moments promo Oh yeah, that was, that was a, a fun project. Uh, it's one of the best things I've ever seen ever. Not yeah, not even more. just because I'm in it. <laughs> yeah, well, and that was all with one camera, just like mm. you running around, and also again, not really something you had done a whole lot of before. Was like ever. Yeah, and it turned out so good. And again, I know part of that is like the musicians' ear playing to that too, like and and knowing what 
musicians would want to see because you've been on that side of it too. Definitely, yeah. it definitely helps. Um, it's funny that you are uh, a musician and a photographer because I don't know if you guys have heard this at all, but I, I have some, I guess, one or two other friends who are very casual photographers and they've said that back in the day they used to try to get work like shooting live music photography and they said their biggest problem with that was that um musicians never thought they had to pay for photography and that it was something they took for granted definitely and, uh did would you have done that robert being a scumbag musician before <laughs> not we not having photography experience we always paid our photographers very well at least like the two that we maybe had julian might remember mm -hmm. a little better but i'm trying to remember even yeah. like way back in like blue taboo days i mean way back i think we always we, pay them we, pretty well i think um yeah for the most part maybe like not super well like not as money. much yeah <laughs> that's true we weren't making money either so like it was usually no. out of our own pocket but um, I don't know, like we used to work with Isaac Trippett, shout out Isaac Trippett. He was like a guy that took photos for us a lot. And uh, <clears throat> he, he, uh, I think we always had an understanding where like some, some shows we paid him uh, just like a percentage and some shows he did for free. Um, and then later on, we started working with Connor DeMont who did everything for free um, just for experience. And his photos are also like really good. Shout out Connor DeMont. Um, but then, yeah, when we started just hiring whoever wanted to take photos for us, we would just get messages like, hey, you know, I'll take photos at your show tonight, 50 bucks. And we would always pay them, you know, just whatever they wanted. Um, and we never had a personal relationship with any of those photographers, but it's nice now too, just knowing like knowing who your photographer is to a certain extent. Cause like I'm really awkward in front of a camera. <laughs> um, and even when I'm on a stage, just like in the middle of a set, like if there's a camera pointing at me and I can see it, I'll feel weird. So it's nice to not necessarily always feel that way now. Nice. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, I didn't want to talk foreign words because for our listeners, Julian is, not only the drummer for wax romantics but even before wax romantics he is in a fantastic band with robert called foreign words and um as they mentioned earlier made an incredible debut album that you recorded in sweden mm -hmm. so i was no places <laughs> i was confused with the nordics um but yeah i i have that album um in my like itunes library and so songs oh, come yeah. up on shuffle every once in a while and oh, i'm yeah. honestly i was like always blown away by like oh shit, yeah this foreign words like the production is amazing you guys's musicianship on is incredible julian's like fucking drum performance is out of this world and um yeah i don't i i know you guys have talked about the recording process of that album a lot but mm -hmm. i don't know robert if the if you want to give a summary of it a run through any highlights for you yeah the whole thing damn um god we were also stoned at the time <laughs> yeah so <laughs> let's let's take it back just a step let's let's talk about why we picked sweden 
when we picked Sweden because it was quite a while of buildup before it was just like, you know, we were on a plane going to Sweden and there was like a real reason why we decided to to do it. It wasn't just like, you know, Sweden's cool and pretty. Um, But it was all, it was all Robert. Like he came up with the whole plan. He schemed the whole thing up and brought it to me and Will. So do you remember, (laughs) do you remember any of that? I remember we really wanted to make a record. Duh. And we were thinking about places to record. And we wanted to do uh, Q Division Studios out in Boston because our producer, engineer guy at the time, uh, Chris Smith, shout out, awesome dude, um, used to work there and had good connections and also was like a kick-ass drum engineer. So we wanted to go out there and record the tape, do it up, do it professionally, do it legit. So we were budgeting out and it was like $800 a day for the studio. And they were like, okay, like do like a week, you know, took like thousands of dollars. And then we're talking about like hire, that's even before you're hiring an engineer or bringing anybody in there. And then that's before you're hire, uh, renting a hotel and food and just anything else you want to do when you're there. And it just starts adding up like astronomically. We're looking at like twenty, twenty-five thousand $25,000 to do the level of quality that we wanted to do for the record, which to be fair was way more ambitious than we had any means to want to, to do but we we wanted to do it or at least i wanted to do it so yeah we all wanted to do it yeah we wanted to do it so um there was this guy that had been watching on youtube um hobo rec studios another shout out another amazing homie uh ulf blomberg and he is a swedish fellow he works at a studio called the end studios out in sweden and he's like a heavy death black metal producer and there's a lot of cool shit out there and makes uh, like engineering videos and like how to's and like how to mix and how to EQ a kick drum. So like when we were really big in producing our own music, that was a lot of uh, good information that we would seek there, or at least I did. And um, I hit him up one day and I'm like, yo, like we would be super interested in maybe recording at your studio and how much is it? And he gets us back up and this is a few years ago. So I think things are a little different now, but way before COVID. And he's like, oh, it's $300 a day. So I'm like, okay, cool. So like the studio is $300 a day. I'm like, how much do you cost? And he's like, no, he's like $300 a day, studio, me. Um, and you get to live in the apartment upstairs on top of the studio. Yeah. Wow, so that's all included deal. too. Yeah. So we were like, oh shit, we can spend like two weeks out in Sweden for a third of the price. And the plane tickets out to Sweden were like, the same price or cheaper as the tickets out to Boston. Yeah. At the time, I don't know what it was. Um, you can't really touch plane tickets that cheap for now, but it's kind of, it's, it sucks. And it's also kind of interesting that like, if we wanted to do it again, I don't think we could do it again the same way, but it was kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity. So we just started grinding after that and just started making it work. And, eventually like it just started coming up i was like oh shit we're going to sweden in a couple weeks boys like it's happening yeah oh that's awesome i didn't know the background i didn't know boston was ever in the mix yeah that was definitely the huge consideration the big thing was wanted to record the tape two inch tape 24 track and we were not going to take no for an answer on that and drums drums was a huge part of it too we we just had to have like good drums for the drum selection for the the album yeah yeah all of which uh the end studios had um but yeah that was the lead up to it um and then we got there 
ended up being a really cool experience. Um, it's an amazing, beautiful old studio. It used to they used to make organs. It used to be an organ factory, um, and then they renovated it. Um, the studio owner, oh god, he's such he was an eccentric guy. He used to park his Ferrari inside of the studio in the winters. Uh, it was just, we it wasn't there when we were there, but like uh, in a lot of videos and other stuff and other times, yeah, you just, just see a Ferrari a, in the middle, just a Ferrari the right in the middle of the studio, just chilling, which I think is the coolest thing ever. But yeah, <laughs> uh, that's right. Keaton asked in the chat what type of organs were made there. Oh, I have no idea. I think they, the grand cathedral ones that were like built into like the churches and and shit like that. Like they were like melting, like melting brass and stuff in there, supposedly. I'm not 100% sure. And then, well, so talking, <clears throat> getting back into like foreign words specifically, oh. <laughs> um, we basically, we went out there with like, I don't know, 60% of an album or three quarters of an album. Yeah. And not enough. Our idea was to kind of improvise it in the studio, the parts that we didn't have and just like live comp certain areas of certain songs together. Was that something that you think was a good idea? Did we pull it off or uh, should we have just finished the damn thing before we went out there? We definitely should have just finished the thing before we went out there, but I think we were in a weird position and the way we write music is not definitely not of the norm uh, or easy by any means. We definitely make it harder on ourselves than we have to at times, or at least I do for sure. Um, a lot of, think, uh, ahead, yeah. well, I was just going to say a lot of what kind of came together was stuff that I think we in a certain way felt inspired on once we were out there yes so um i guess in a way like it was way it would have been more comfortable to go out there with a fully finished product but it would have been different i think for sure yeah and i mean like from a professional standpoint we should have had like actually written a record before we went to go record it but from the creative standpoint and what we got turned out point and like um that not having it finished and finishing it out there added to the vibe of the record. And it would have been completely different had we gone in with a completed thing. And we were very open to Wolf's input for production. And uh, the last track, Wasting Time, was written pretty much in the last two days of us being there and literally putting final tracks on the last day before we're leaving. And it felt good. It felt, it felt, uh, kind of fun and like leading up to the wire and like we needed to do something. It didn't feel fun in the first couple of days when we weren't getting stuff very much stuff done. I was ask, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, did, you, did you guys feel like a lot of pressure at any points? To, there was to... immense pressure at the beginning. Like just because I'm an asshole. Only because No, I'm... <laughs> not it wasn't it, it was it was a little bit of that, but it was mostly like I don't know, drums uh for me like having to put drums down first um basically to nothing and uh on new drums that i've never played before with like hella jet lag on the first two days yeah. just like still catching up basically um i felt really honestly fucking scared and i remember specifically like trying to tune up one of my snares like the main snare that i was going to use for the record and just like not being able to get it in tune at all for like hours, just trying and trying and not being able to do it. And then finally, Wolf is like, 
you know, maybe let me take a try. And then he takes a, a swing at tuning it. And like five minutes later, it's like the best sounding fucking snare I've ever heard. And I'm just like, you know, normally I know what I'm doing. Um, and then I kind of felt like that for the next two days. Like, I don't know how to play my parts. <laughs> I don't know what parts to play. Like, uh, it, it was pretty weird, but it all came together. Like, yeah, on the back half of the project, like, I think Robert could speak to that as well. Like, laying down some tracks and just being like, what the, f like, what the fuck are we doing? And then yeah. a day later waking up and being like, okay, this, uh, this is okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's and, definitely uh, like, yeah, no, you go ahead. I was going to say, there's just definitely some, um, yeah, because I think we were also like, thousands of miles away from home and had like a deadline where it's just like it's not like we can come back in a couple months and like redo some tracks if like it ends up not being okay down the line you know like it's just like do or die right now but i think that ended up being a good thing yeah well like i said it's an incredible album um the the title is wasting time highly encourage anyone listening to this podcast to go stream it immediately you guys come out with that in like 2020 so when you released it um oh, we recorded it in 2019 i think it was released in 2021 oh, october of 2020 no it couldn't have been is it that I think it was 2020 october of 2020 okay. so we were in a little bit into covid when you guys released it yeah basically um, we released yeah. it and we had plans to do stuff and then covid happened um mm. but another part of it too is uh we have obviously another guy in our band named will a uh, big shout out to will um <clears throat> i know you, we, we all know will. will on the pod yeah we definitely should um will i think um man i i kind of wish he was here right now because I, I want him to be able to speak to this too but i think will I in a lot of ways uh kind of is the creative force behind foreign words in a lot of ways like uh he's the finisher robert has a lot of really great ideas and and he writes a lot of really great songs and then will comes in with just a whole different energy and is able to just transform songs and i think that's kind of also a lot of what happened when we went to sweden was a lot of will's parts were unfinished and he kind of finished him as he was tracking and like that's where the album in at least in my mind as the drummer too took a huge turning point was like will's parts became like fully realized and uh, he's just like such a talented player um he, he's a huge part of like what makes the foreign words project what it is so big shout out to will um <clears throat> one question i did want to ask just um because it's something we've never really talked about with other people specifically um but it was something that will kind of fronted the idea on maybe i i don't remember specifically but he coined the phraseology first of heavy versus dreamy as the concept for the record <laughs> yeah um so what kind of what did that mean to you at the time heavy versus dreamy what and, and what how did that reflect in like our songwriting at the time so it sounds kind of cheesy but we were um will and i were watching like hella twin peaks 
like season one, season two, OG 90 show on, uh, it just streamed. I think it just started on Netflix or something like that. So we were, we were getting just into that. talking David Lynch in uh, one of the last episodes. Hell yeah. yeah. Absolute genius. Absolute fucking genius. But, uh, that show for some reason, like resonated with me wildly and the, the feelings that David Lynch is able to evoke out of like imagery and, um, just the cinematography of it is just beautiful and truly make me feel like sometimes I'm like tripping balls and I'm completely sober watching his stuff. But I love that dreamy aspect that was in there. And that kind of just really resonated with me. And that kind of just like very much out there, kind of ethereal kind of just weirdness. Um, And we were also super hard into metal at the time, any kind of metal, post-metal, black metal, hardcore, just everything and anything. And we really wanted to dive into this idea of, again, contrast. So very, very darks. But if you have the very, very darks and you don't have the very, very lights, then you're not going to know what the very, very darks are. They're not going to be as impactful as the very, very highs. Um, so we started incorporating that into our music. So it's like, well, if we go one step into this direction, then we have to at least take uh, one or two steps into the other direction to counterbalance it. And then it just kind of stretches. And I think that can sometimes be a detriment. And it definitely, there definitely were some songs and stuff that got scrapped and ideas and definitely some stuff now that I'm not even the biggest fan of. But all in all, I think it was of the time very much and i wouldn't take it back for anything so definitely um i think for me and will specifically i don't know about you as much but we also drew a lot of musical influences from people specific people at the time i remember talking about like you know specifically sharon van etten and her style um her like kind of dreamy aesthetic style and then i remember talking specifically about like you know ed breckenridge from less art and trying to mimic like that exact bass tone um yeah so i guess that is just to say we were trying to take like a lot of random influence but not necessarily from full groups Mm -hmm. but rather from individual musicians and individual songwriters is that something because i know now we're like trying to write new songs is that something you still find yourself doing Cause I don't, I don't really know if I'm in that place as much anymore where I'm listening to a specific person and thinking, man, I really want to sound like that. Or if I'm more so just, uh, trying to float out there in the ether on my own. And I guess that question applies to Keaton and Colin and Cam as well. All musicians, like, you know, what, who do you find yourself like really drawing musical influence from at this point? Who wants to go first? That's a, that's a big one. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I can't really speak to like right now who I'm specifically drawing influence from, but it is, um, I do rely on like inspirations so much because I always reach a point in any song where I hate it and I'm like ashamed of it. And I need to like, find a song I do like and be like, what do I like about this song and kind of root it in that and go from there. Um, so like I said, it's, it's hard to say right now, but like on the first, um, wax romantic CP, I was going to vampire weekend a lot. Um, 
And then on the second one, there was like a lot of 80s stuff. I, w- I always go to the Smiths and Johnny Marr for like guitar styles and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I can't say like right now specifically who, but I'm definitely draw or try to draw or use inspirations as a crutch for sure. Or just, I just find comfort in being like, let me try to model this some way in something that I like and <laughs> something that has proven success, I guess. I think that's a good way of putting it. Like when we were making the first record and we were younger also, like not too much younger, but a little bit, I think a big part of it was like trying to find the relevance in our tunes by like finding people that we like and being like, Oh, we kind of sound like that. We were kind of influenced by that. And therefore what we're doing is kind of relevant, at least in our vein of things. But I've kind of let go of that now a little bit. Yeah. That's a, I always love when I, I show an early version of something to someone they're like, Oh, that sounds like this person. I'm like, Oh, great. Let me try to rip them off even more than great. <laughs> Let's see what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> Let me listen to their, all their discography. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. I've always had a difficult time <clears throat> kind of taking influences and, melding them into my own but uh one of my favorite quotes ever is from picasso and i think oh, how did he say he said good artists borrow but great artists steal and i think you can see that through time you always have the lawsuits everybody's suing each other everybody's taking inspiration from ins- inspiration from each other but at the end of the day it's just music man and it's not shouldn't be about the money and about like how many people listen to it or anything like that but it's just about like how it makes you feel and how you can touch others with it or at least that's how it is for me so while i do also yes have the same things where it's like i have a tendency to feel guilty if i do like listen to something i'm like that sounds so badass i want to i want to do something like that you know but at the same time, it's like, that's what it's all about. Cause that person that did that heard something that inspired them to do that. And it was probably something that we wouldn't even make a connection to, but in their minds it was. So I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but. Yeah. yeah very well said. The, I agree. Yeah. I'm glad you used that quote. Sorry, Keith, go ahead. Oh, I just said, I agree. <laughs> yeah. I know because all my um, or a lot of my favorite musicians have pretty shamefully stolen. Um, you know, I cite Oasis on uh, <laughs> this podcast a lot, and they're pretty much just uh, coked out Beatles. So and they've admitted to it. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Um, you guys want to do album reviews? Oh, yeah, sure. Let's do it. All right, Robert. Mm-hmm. Totally up to you, not to put you okay. on the spot, but do you want okay. to give you the opportunity uh, to go first, if you so choose to? Okay. Uh, and I guess first I should say the theme. The theme this week is we've picked albums that we don't like, albums we've always identified with as not liking, but we're trying to kind of be fair and even give them somewhat favorable reviews. So that's the theme. And Robert, if you want to go first, go ahead, but no pressure. Sure. Yeah. Um, my pick is a kind of a new album, but I have pretty much disliked since the day it came out 
or they released a single that yeah, no since the day the first single came out i was like this is fucking bullshit but uh tools new album fear inoculum i hate that record i really can't stand <laughs> that record in any way shape or form. and i'm a very big tool fan i think they're uh, masterful a few of them and uh <laughs> i think they have had bounds and leaps of uh, uh inspiration on their genre and expanding genres as well and the whole music industry as a whole um <clears throat> but for some reason every time i listen to that record i just am evoked with anger and rage and just boredom most of all uh, i even saw them live at ball arena like a month ago and it's just as boring <laughs> i don't know it was really oh hard wow the show wasn't good no i mean it was a fantastic show and like tool is awesome but it's just um i think the problems that i have with the record kind of carried over maybe were some of them were confirmed but to speak light to the album though to try to give it a fair shake um most other people that i've talked to that are casual tool fans and like pretty devout cool fans like really like the album and think it's a pretty badass record and i don't quite i i mean i know why i don't like it but i don't quite know why the reason why i don't like it doesn't translate to other people quite as well um but mostly just the fact that it's fucking boring as hell there's not any moments on it that even reach somewhat the excitement level of any of their records like maybe it meets like a five or a six on their grand scale and that's like the climax of the record and it's really hard to justify i i think in my opinion it was um like a bunch of 50 year old dudes getting together and just phoning one in to sell a few million records as she yeah I, that may be kind of harsh to say but it oh, should very well be true i think it, it it they they're like an audiophile band right and yet that yeah. album sounds boring. Mm -hmm. They didn't record it to tape, which is fine. But the record literally starts out with that. Um, I can't remember what instrument it's called, but it's a little thumb kind of uh, piano thing that Joe, evil Joe Barisi, their producer, uses. And it's on the first track for the record coming in. And it's on the first track for the last record that came out on Vicarious. Um, and it's almost the exact same thing. So it's like they're trying to harken back so much to their old days, <clears throat> but never actually reach the heights of it. But in doing so, I think they did kind of create some cool stuff that is somewhat new. And like definitely the track like Chocolate Chip Trip is <clears throat> never been done. Sorry, got some some shite. <laughs> but uh, sort yourself out, mate. Sort yourself out. It's professional broadcast. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'll, be, I'll be right back. I'm going to get some water. It's a good idea. <clears throat> That's, um, I haven't given the new tool album an honest listen through. I just kind of skimmed a few tracks. And um, that I, I'm glad to hear a hardcore tool fan say that because that would have been my kind of first it's like uh, it sounds a little like cool oh, fucked you know? up yeah almost like a uh oh, okay. a just boring imitation of tool it is very phoned in and like i guess the thing that sucks about it like hardcore hardcore tool fans waited like over a decade for a new tool record 
and like i don't know why like why make people wait for so long and then put out some fucking tepid lukewarm bullshit like oh good okay good he's back again <laughs> <laughs> no yeah no totally like i i don't consider myself as much of a tool fan as you i don't think but like i do really like tool and and uh well, we have to say nice things though i mean no, it's hard it sounds it sounds decent <laughs> yeah. it's not like a bad sounding record the songs are decent oh. but like considering how long they had to work on the damn thing it's like it didn't live up to my expectation at all because i was expecting something next level through and through and it just isn't that it's like yeah it feels phoned in so i guess the nicest thing i could say about the record would be that if any other band had released that and it was like their debut record that would be like the coolest fucking thing ever you know like really fucking dope it, i mean obviously it didn't sound like tool but for being the follow-up to one of the greatest rock albums of all time by one of the greatest bands of all time. It was just very disappointing to say the least, in my opinion. But overall as an album, it is a very, on a tool level, it's like a six out of 10, but on like a musical level, it's like an eight out of 10, I guess, if I, if that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely. That's a cool way to look at it. Like if, yeah, if I just heard this randomly from a different group, my mind would be blown, but yeah, right. in the yeah. context of tool. Yeah, so I dig it. Good review, man. Thank so you. uh you're giving it uh, six waxies then? No, 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 two waxies. Oh, two waxies. <laughs> All right. Two out of ten for your inoculum. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Two, two out, out of ten of the songs are oh bearable. So two out of ten. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Any other anyone want to volunteer to go next? I think we should do a popcorn style. Oh yeah, good call. Like that. That's always our best. Robert, popcorn someone. What does that mean? Uh, yeah, just choose, choose someone to go. You must have oh, okay. gone to public school, huh? I, that, no, <laughs> I never went to school at all. I was <laughs> raised by wolves. And then the wolves didn't want me, so they gave me to the tigers. The tigers didn't want me either. So, mm. um, yeah. so you have kind of a, a feline sexual energy. Funny makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> If you get me, honestly, if you get me going, no, no, I love it. If you get me going good enough, I will. Yeah, Carl thought he was on mute. (laughs) I, uh, it's fitting that I'm going after Robert because I also picked a uh, a Maynard James Keenan record, um, but I picked a Perfect Circle record, um, their latest, which is Eat the Elephant, um, and kind of again, like I guess. I picked it for most of the same reasons that Robert picked Fear Inoculum. Um, it's their fourth album after like a 14 year hiatus. And so it was just like, it was just like a long time for buildup. And then what they put out was like kind of a turd. Um, some of the, some of these songs were like started all the way back in 2008. But uh, Maynard, James Keenan, and Billy Howardell kind of had like creative disagreements as to like where to take some of the songs because Maynard wanted shit to be heavy and May- and Billy kind of wanted to go in like a different, more like atmospheric kind of pop influence direction. So basically all those sessions that were started in 2008 were not resumed until 2017. And then the record was put out in 2018 
Um, I remember like when the singles came out, how fucking stoked I was to like hear the new Perfect Circle and then how disappointed I was like pretty swiftly by all of the singles. Um, and uh, I guess for the reasons why I don't really like it are just because it, it's production wise, not very interesting. Like everything is pretty much exactly the same volume. So there's not really any like highs or lows on the record. The heavy stuff is like not that heavy. There's like really minimal drum performance. I feel like overall and like very minimal bass performance as well. Um, but to try and say some good things about it. Um, first of all, it did get relatively good critical reception. Um, most of the critics were okay with it at least. No one like outright hated it. Um, it debuted top four on the billboard charts when it came out. Um, it had a lot of different lyrical focuses, like between kind of our overall societal shift and focus on technology uh, into like, kind of some talk about religion and just like socioeconomics and politics. Um, but all those lyrics, in my opinion, do come off as like really preachy because like Maynard is pretty much just saying like, you know, the world is falling to shit and it's cause you're on your phone too much. And like, you need to quit being a sheep and like, it's just like a rich dude kind of yelling at me. And I don't really like that very much from my music. Um, kind of puts me off like throughout the whole record because it's just like not really emotionally derived lyrics. It's mostly like he just sounds fucking annoyed with everybody, um, which again, just not super pleasurable when you're listening to music that's supposed to be like heavy and emotional. Um, and then just kind of all the like song switches, like they tried to kind of like, again, balance some heavy shit with some pretty shit. And uh there's not really any transitions i feel like from heavy into the like soft they kind of just go like directly from section to section and it's always like super awkward and super like j like jagged and just weird like the songs don't make sense because what you would expect to hear is not where they go at all which if you're being experimental and you have finesse and you are able to write with subtlety you can pull it off but like there's no real subtlety in these songs they just kind of like exist in rough sections that are stapled together but the production is good everything sounds okay it's definitely got moments on it where i'm like this is interesting um i think the first song on the record's pretty good the title track of the song of the whole record is the first song um, and then it just goes downhill. Like every song is gradually a little bit worse until the end of the record. And honestly, the last like three songs on the record are just not listenable for me. Like I just, I don't listen to them. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much where I'll leave it, I guess. Um, trying to review it favorably, is, like, again, it's hard for me because I just think it's kind of a piece of shit, but it does <laughs> sound good. Um, it does have good production value. I do respect Billy Howardell's at least attempt to go into like some pop influenced, like kind of atmospheric, uh, like more emotional songwriting. But I think it's all just ruined by Maynard kind of being an, a grumpy old man. And then the parts that are heavy um, are just so saturated by the production that they don't reach any emotional height of any kind. So. I also give that record two axes. 
Um, and that's because I'm feeling fucking generous. Damn. <laughs> I like it more than that. That's interesting. <laughs> um, it didn't age well for me. I think when it came out, I kind mm. of was like, you know, uh, it's, uh, it is what it is. But now that some time has passed, I feel pretty comfortable saying it's not good. And it doesn't hold up like really in any way. It's not still relevant. Um, it doesn't sound as good as some shit that has come out since. And honestly, no. like if you listen to this and then go backwards and listen to 13th step, I think 13th step still sounds better and more interesting overall. Tape. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I will popcorn over to cam. Good review, Julian. Or I guess bad review, but um i was really torn um i think i was in a similar boat as keaton where i feel like i don't dislike any albums in their whole like for the most part i pick out like one or two good tracks and then i realized that's probably true for most of these so i was originally gonna do um well i was torn so adam if you guys remember way back to the first podcast i was gonna just review donda for fun and then I realized how much I fucking hate that album. But I feel like it's a good kind of like newer album that is super controversial. But I didn't really want to review Donna. So I considered like CLB and all the newer ones that are just kind of like bullshit. But um, I've kind of still torn between them. But what I want to say, but I'm not going to do it as a main review, kind of more of an honorable mention of an album I disliked. I'm really interested to hear your guys' opinion on um, Night at the Opera by Queen which multiple of their famous track. I'm just not a big Queen fan. What? I know. I know. I know you're going to react like this. I know. <laughs> I yeah. think it's pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I know. I, do. Yeah, I, know. I, I do like I even go as far as saying it uh, might be their best record. Genre defying <laughs> masterpiece. But <laughs> exactly. I know. It's but... definitely a cornerstone record. <laughs> I know that's I did, that's why I wanted to bring this up just to hear you guys' opinion on this. But I figured, but I, there are like still multiple tracks I like off the album. Overplayed, yes, and oh, like that I think is where I got it from. And like I watched the Bohemian Rhapsody, the Queen movie, the Bohemian Rhapsody movie, um, trying to like hopefully like restore my faith in Queen, and that movie fucking sucked in my opinion. <laughs> it was Rami's worst performance to date on screen. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I think that was just like some negative reinforcement right there, but um. I just kind of want to get, I want to get like a hot take from you guys on that one because I know Queen is such a monumental band. <laughs> hot uh, take. Queen was good. <laughs> <laughs> you got me, man. <laughs> That's why I'm reviewing Donda officially. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Donda came out August of last year. I think it was, yeah, August, like end of the, I remember it was end of August last year. Before our birthday. Oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, I remember because we went inside Zaya. Isaiah Rashad that month, like for my birthday celebration, and like my friends were like trying to like find a way for us to go see uh, Kanye because he was on tour then. And I was like, dude, I'm not going to see a fucking Donna tour. Like, I just can't do that. So that was really the only album in recent years that I can say that, like, because I was, I, I guess I partly am still, but, like, I was, and I guess like, I still am a big Kanye fan. But one watching Donna come out, which to me this might be like almost a pretentious thing to say, but like, it felt like the album felt to me like. It was released as him saying, I can release like gospel music and it will still like go down. Like people will still just accept it and like praise it for what it is. I don't know. To me, the album just felt like a whole 
like just like a lot there's a lack of effort in the album like so many of the tracks were just so interesting like don the chant you open the album and you're like don the chant it's so it kind of grows on you honestly it's like an infestation but um then there was like all the controversy around it like that kanye himself wasn't that pleased with it because universal his producing studio re- released it without his like verbal or written consent or anything like that like he wanted to wait another month of getting some um fine-tuned some aspects of it and they just released it and apparently i can't recall the name of the song but like one of the better songs in his opinion was just taken off the album entirely apparently for its controversial um, it's the one with the baby right because that was when the baby that sounds right was it it wasn't um, <laughs> was it not, i think no there was the, there was the baby one and there was the andre 3000 one Mm. Uh, but Andre 3000 like asked that song to be pulled because he was like yo this is just a diss track I didn't fucking agree to that shit but I like think, yeah JL2 what? right I'm like JL2 <laughs> yeah the one yeah, the, the, yeah. the one where uh, literally Andre gives like one of the most beautiful verses of all time about like his mom and like the whole experience of like losing his mom and how much he misses her and then Kanye just hops in and he's like yo fuck Drake Fuck Drake. Drake can suck my dick. <laughs> it's like, come on. <laughs> it's also the most Kanye thing ever. Like, right? Just, but, I mean, that's, I think there was, I mean, I know there was a big um, theme of motherhood in the album. Like, it was Kanye's, the album was created as a kind of a um, dedication album to his mother. Which I think is, I think is a very beautiful aspect of the album. So I'll, I'll add one waxy point to my final review in consideration of the fact that it was written with his mother in mind. So that's beautiful, because that's pretty cool for Kanye. But, um, and then the promoting thing, like there was just so much like share on the promoting thing. And I just, I was like, I felt like for like a m- months and months there were like, not only like controversial news coming out of the album, but like memes and just like all this slander and just like weird revelations. The artist So many memes. Dude, it was so great. And, the, and then the, and then the top it all off, the album cover is just a fucking black screen. Black. Just black. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like such lack of effort on Kanye. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, it seemed like it was like, his album saying, I, I made it. I can do what I want. Like, here's a- When's the last time Kanye finished an album before it came out? Because isn't this like the third time in a row where he's been like, yo, like, I'm not releasing it yet because I'm not finished with it. And then like it comes out and it's like half done. Like, that's that the whole business model now. And like, he'll go, <laughs> like, I remember they like released it. And then like a week later, he like re-released a slightly different version of it. Remember? But it was like exactly the fucking same. Yep. I remember like, that. Why, man? It makes you look like a fucking idiot. Dude, he, does no, he, put a, he put a low pass on the kick in a couple of the tracks. And he, it wasn't 42 hertz. It was 48 hertz. And he had to update that. So... Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> so yeah, it really made now. the difference for that for that one. <laughs> uh, that's that's so hilarious. Cool. But um, I don't know. The whole thing just I was pretty excited for it. And I think the whole world was. And then like I think people this is my humble, most likely incorrect opinion. People were just kind of like so obsessed with not like obsessed with Kanye, but like so excited for this album release, they kind of accepted it for what it was, and like might have even overlooked in many, many faults. And there are still great parts of it, obviously, but um, I think overall it was just almost a slap in the face to um, diehard Kanye fans. And then Certified Lover Boy comes out, and it's like just as much of a you know, it's just so underwhelming. Dog that one, 
might even be worse, honestly. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm not even a Kanye fan, but I would say like I was even I was even like really fucking hyped for Donda. I was like, right. oh, shit, Donda, the new Kanye is coming out. And like it's everyone, I was working at Chiba Hut at the time, and like ev- literally everybody was just like Donda. You get the stem player, like Donda. <laughs> exactly. It was, it was big news, man. And then mm-hmm. speaking of shitty album covers, um, CLP is just the pregnant women emoji. Uh, I've got some opinions about Drake, but they wouldn't be safe to air here. So <laughs> yeah. we'll do a private screening after the after the official pod was bash Drake mm-hmm. and Kanye. But mm-hmm. um and then there's just like it's not only fans. so much it's not only fans. <laughs> but uh um, you gotta pay a little bit, then you get the saucy stuff. Yeah, you get that dirty. Oh yeah. So taking into consideration my improved by one point. Um, mother theme waxy point. I'll give it like a four out of ten, maybe like a three point five out of ten waxies. Robert and Julian, I respect both of you for uh, picking an artist that you do like and reviewing one of their albums. Um, I thought that was very brave and honest. Um, and I'll preface this by saying I'm not really a, I'm not a hater of the artist I picked. It's not someone I am a fan of necessarily. But I do respect them and what they've done. Um, so anyways, that's my preface to this. I picked the uh, Divide Sign, Division Sign album by Ed Sheeran. Oh my f- oh. oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that is so unexpected. That is like... Uh, yeah, I love that. I've not done yeah. the record, but yeah. I love that choice. <laughs> Yeah, and um, like like I said, again, it's perfect. I'm not an Ed Sheeran hater across the board. I, I do. I think he's a talented guy. You obviously have to be very talented to look like a bridge troll and still sell out stadiums while playing an acoustic guitar. It's true. <laughs> he's like the third most streamed artist on Spotify, too. Maybe, maybe oh, uh, yeah. Four, That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's... You got to think about all the Starbuckses that just stream him around the clock. That's the part of it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, That's absolutely. True. Or all the people that think they're looking up the actor who played um, Ron and Harry Potter, and they just stumble across that year, and I'm like, "Oh, this will do." <laughs> this will do. He's a musician now. That's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, why? And I will say, listening back to it, giving it a favorable review is easier than I thought it would be. Um, my main experience with this album was you know when it came out in 2017 you just heard shape of you everywhere yeah and i I still maintain that shape of you has got to be one of the weirdest singles of all time and the fact that it like blew up how it did is just so bizarre to me um it makes me i don't know if you guys will agree (laughs) with this but it's hard to listen to for me because i can feel how hard they're trying on it or he's trying on it it's like a very awkward song um not it's lyrically awkward and that's what a lot of people latch on to like the whole bed sheet yeah but just like the, the phrasing and everything um so anyways i don't want to just review shape of you but i, I think that's kind of what influenced a lot of uh, of my feelings about this and at the time it came out which was uh, march of 2017 that was like just a weird time you know uh, towards the beginning of the trump presidency yeah um, pop music was in a strange place 
that song was just blowing up everywhere. It really felt like things had gone pretty wonky in the world that everything yeah. was going on. And this weird song about bed sheets was like blowing up. Um, <laughs> um, and then, you know, at that time, I went and listened to the other songs and like the other big um single from that was is it called perfect i think yeah perfect and that's that's another one where people latched onto one lyrical thing the dancing in the grass or barefoot in the grass instead of grass he said grass that's just and I thought, stupid yeah it was a little frustrating to, <laughs> to hear that and uh I, just, I thought that was just kind of a benign pop song and i was like oh is this really all we have right now yeah this um so anyways, you know, and I, I did, um, like, earlier Ed Sheeran stuff, like I said, I was never, like, a huge fan, but respect to where he's coming from, I thought he had a great voice. And I think also part of why I don't like this album now is what he's been doing lately. I feel like Ed Sheeran's lost his way even more now with some of his singles. And not to say they're not good, but I feel like now he's just kind of more of a, a vessel, an empty vessel, like he's just kind of lending his voice to other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and man maybe that's an unfair analysis because like you know i'm not a huge ed sheeran fan and you know obviously artists are allowed to evolve and change their sound but some of the new singles um that he's released recently it just kind of felt like this is ed sheeran anyways so i went back um last couple days been listening to this album and well i still don't love it um i will say there's some great songs on it. And um, I, I guess part of my problem too is, and, and this is the case with a lot of pop albums now, is like the, the term album's kind of a stretch. Like this is really just a collection of songs, obviously recorded with different producers, recorded all over the world at different times. So I guess like it'd be more fair to call it almost like a mixed tape potentially in that way. Um, but, you know, I'm not even judging on that basis. Like, I guess I could because it doesn't feel like a cohesive album. Like, it just feels like you have an Ed Sheeran playlist on shuffle, kind of. Um, but, yeah, like I, like I said, you know, listening to the last couple of days, it has been easier than I thought to give it a favorable, favorable review because there are some great songs on it. I was especially... Like what impresses me about Ed Sheeran is that he can do kind of weird left field stuff and pull it off pretty well. Like the first song is, I don't know if you guys will be familiar with it all, but it's um, Eraser and it's like a kind of finger picky acoustic guitar thing, but he raps over it and he raps oh. in his English accent. It kind of sounds like the, the, the streets, you know, the English rapper, the streets. <laughs> and <laughs> so that's the first song that comes on and i was like oh great this album is as fucking terrible as i remember but then uh, by the end of the song i was like it's pretty admirable that he could pull this off and then the second song castle on the hill that was another kind of big one that feels like a little overproduced kind of like inspirational something you'd see in i don't know some terrible movie um but outside of that like you know the 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 songs don't, again, to go back to, it's not like a cogent album. The songs don't flow well into each other. But then once you're like into one song, you're like, yeah, Ben Sheeran's a very talented guy. He's got a great voice. He can pull off what he wants to. Um, and and obviously this album was like massively successful. He, he had a lot of success before this, but this um, 
I think is still considered probably his most successful album. So all those things considered, I'll give it a five waxies out of 10. Wow, that's high. strong. That is strong. I actually have a very interesting rec- story about that. It's the shape of you song. <laughs> if you guys want to hear okay. it at all, I would. It's interesting that you brought that up at, at all, but this is going to sound a little bit pretentious, but um, I was in New York city, just happenstance, uh, January 6th, 2017, when the song came out. And I remember I was like with my friend and we were there for a couple days before and a few days after too, it was like literally three days before the inauguration of Trump. And it was a weird time in New York city. Like it was very politically charged for everything. And we were in this tiny little boutique in the morning and all of a sudden we just hear this song. We're just like, what the f- is this? And it's like, oh, someone's like, this is the new Ed Sheeran song. We're like, oh, okay, weird. It's like day before, hadn't heard the song. And then that day, all of a sudden, like taxis are driving by and the song's playing and like you're in Times Square and like the music videos on like the 20 foot tall, more than 20, like the 100 foot tall like screens in downtown. It was just like very interesting experience. And then you had people also like, smashing um out windows uh in protest of the uh then president elect so it was a very interesting time <laughs> but yeah shape of you what a bizarre i have scene. weird very very memories weird memories of shape of you and yeah even on like the way to the airport uh in the tax every taxi you'd get in from that point it was the only song that you would hear and it's it interesting yeah i uh, part of the reason i'm kind of obsessed with shape of you is like a weird song um is uh <laughs> is um uh the, the show i've mentioned now several times on on this show the, the radio internet program time crisis which was ezra kenning's program when shape of you came out they dedicated like 10 episodes to shape of you just really breaking it down every single day what? Kind of wow. how weird it, was. <laughs> it was really great yeah each time like a different hilarious take where they'd like latch on to one thing like one episode for example was like just talking about the line uh we talked for hours and hours about the sweet and the sour because they're at a chinese buffet and like you know they would just get as like uh, drilling that finally um i but like is there actual meaning to any of it or is it all just gibberish yeah it's you know it's very literal it, it's 100 percent about him going to a chinese buffet with the girl they steal food <laughs> and his bed sheets smell like her now <laughs> you know that's, that's what so the song is about yeah <clears throat> uh, uh, yeah but like i said you know when that song was just being blasted at 2017 like strange time in my life and i do just remember feeling like really Cause like that was towards the start of my college career too. And I was like, this is, this it doesn't feel like how life is supposed to feel like, man, like I, I, and I, there's not even a good pop anthem right now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it just got me down, but you know, being a little more detached from that and coming back to the album, I did enjoy it uh, relatively. So good for you. you know, I don't think shout I out Ed Sheeran. Yeah um well guys great episode robert thanks so much man for coming on yeah great of course hearing about your photography and foreign words and uh we hope you'll come back on the podcast soon heck yes, yeah thank back. you guys for having me so much uh it was very nice uh definitely new for me first time zoom so hey, good to see you again robert yes good to see all of you again i hope to see you all in yeah, person man. very soon 
Oh, for sure. You got to do that Definitely. music video, not to spoil anything for anybody. Oh yeah, we'll do so, that. It's a nice teaser. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, a little bit. And Colin, once more, congratulations on welcoming Mr. Klaus into the fam. Yeah, oh, yes. beautiful doggo. Yeah, doggo. I, I, I got a yeah, adopted a new dog today. Uh, Julian told me a little bit ago. Boy named congratulations, Klaus. bro. Yeah, yeah how old is he? You. He's actually he's 14 months, so a little a little bit out of his puppy phase, but you know, still a puppy and still a uh, young buck, yeah, still a good boy. It was yeah. I'll tell you guys this story really quickly. Sorry not to keep you on really long, but no, you're gonna want to do this all night. <laughs> <laughs> it was serendipitous how it happened. I uh we took Lola to the Cherry Creek dog park in Denver um two Saturdays ago now. It was the first time we went to the dog park. Really nice dog park. It's like this huge open field and people have their dogs loose and all these dogs are just running around. Anyways, we're walking and Klaus ran past us, this really pretty little um, black lab mix. And he gave us this really sweet look as he ran past. And um, I noticed he had a bandana that said, adopt me. And um, Julie and I have been kind of talking about wanting another dog for a while because we have a dog already, Lola. Lola's best friend in the dog she grew up with was named Milo. We had to put Milo down sadly last summer. So since then we've kind of been like, uh, Lola should have another companion. Um, so yeah, Klaus ran past us. It's not a dot me thing. We were watching him and he was just like following the foster mom lockstep, like when it leave her side. Um, and part of it too, that drew me in is he's so skinny. Like he's really underweight. Um, so, you know, I saw that I was like, oh man, this sweet poor dog like, needs to be adopted. He's underweight. At that point, he was walking with a limp. He doesn't permanently have a limp. He just hurt his pad. But I was like, oh, this sweet guy with his limp walking. And uh, so ran up. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I ran up and uh, talked to who I found out was Foster and Kim. And I was like, hey. And uh, so she told me where the, the shelter he was organized through and everything. So reached out and then yeah i just heard back uh, this past saturday our like application was approved we got to meet him again on sunday and then filled out all the paperwork and then yeah picked him up today so anyways congratulations dude Great. i'm excited Paul, would you say it was love at first sight when he looked over his shoulder at you you made eye contact moments. Yeah, I, w- I would. Like, it was like a powerful moment. Like, really, like, locked eyes. I saw the adopt me bandana. It felt like this is meant Eight. to happen. Yeah. And then everything from then just, like, was so easy. The easiest process ever. Like, filled out the thing real quick. I was worried we wouldn't get him because um, it's a popular shelter and, like, lots of people put in applications. Collins of yeah, f- felon, I, too. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah. I had to hide my felonies on there. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, and then the right after I or a couple of days after the application, the woman I met who was fostering him texted me and she like remembered me and she was like, Hey, we met at Cherry Creek last weekend. When do you want to meet Klaus? Um, so yeah, it was all it's all good. And uh, I mentioned this in the group chat, we've we were thinking about changing the name Klaus, but it has grown on me and it seems to fit him pretty well. So it's a good keep, name, might keep the name Klaus, strong name. Yeah, supposedly he knows some German commands, but uh, I don't know German, so that doesn't help (laughs) me at all. (laughs) Yeah. But anyways, 
Yeah, I was I was thinking about bringing him to rehearsal tomorrow, but I might wait a week or two just to, since he's brand new to the house. I want to make sure he he's been moved around so much. I want him to know like this is your place now. You know, don't want to move yeah. around. So you guys will meet him soon. I don't know. What Hell yeah, saying. I'm so right. excited. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, dude. Um, but yeah, anyways, love you guys. Love you, dude. Love you, dude. Love, love you all. Love, love you all, all of you. Dude. For real, yeah, boys, big time. Much love, much, much love. love for all you boys. Fucking. You guys are fucking fantastic men. Thank you. You as well, Robert. Thank Likewise, Thanks, Robert. Yeah. Good episode, yeah. too, boys. Hell yeah, yeah. hell yeah. Good stuff. Thank you guys Very for having me stuff. on. Yeah, no, yeah. Anytime, come back. Definitely, we'll have you on again. All right, boys. Ooh. All right. Have a good night. All right. Yeah, you too, guys. Peace. You too, good boys. Night, y'all. Waxy Wednesdays with Wax Romantics.